Hallelujah. There we go. I turn myself off and turn myself back on. Hallelujah. God is good. Man, 19 years. Wow. And I believe the best is yet to come. Man, it's such an awesome church. I'm so grateful. Annette and I. Annette, and you stand up and give, give Annette a hand. Amen. We, uh, we're, we're so glad. We, we don't have to do this. We get to do this. And this is, this is a joy. You know, we were having a conversation with this fellow just a moment ago, and, and I just made a statement. It's like, this is what we were born to do. This is not a, this is not a, when people say, you know, well, just pastoring is just so hard and so challenging. And yeah, there's, there's challenges just like any, any occupation. It's challenging to be a parent. It's, it's, it, you know, every, every aspect of what you do is a challenge. But, but when you, when you settle in your heart, this is what you're called to do. The word says his yoke is easy. His burden is light. You know, and if, if it's so laborious, then maybe, maybe, maybe you got the wrong perspective. You're not doing it right. <laughs> you know, having the right perspective. And, and we, we just count it just an honor to be able to pastor the greatest church in this area. Amen. Amen. There, there's so many amazing churches in this community. We don't, we're not in rival with any church. We lift up, we pray for every church in this community because every church has a part to play. There, there's, there's, there's enough people in this community that need Jesus. Amen. So, so we're not in any competition. We're not in saying we're better than this church or that church. No, we're just doing way we're, we're, where God has called us to do church. Amen. 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 And before I get into what the Lord's placed in my heart, Dr. Savell, could you, you come on up? I just want you to just, just say, share something out of your heart, our founding pastor. And Miss Carolyn, would you please stand? Miss Carolyn, would you please? No. <laughs> Amen. Give them a hand. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. Hallelujah. So good to be with you this morning. It's good to be back home. Praise God. (laughs) I have been gone for quite some time. Looking forward to being in the service this morning to hear my pastor. Praise God. (laughs) Amen. 19 years ago, I was flying back from Johannesburg, South Africa. And much to my surprise, when I arrived home, my wife greeted me with I had a visitation from the Lord last night. I've been waiting for you to get home. I said, what did he say? She said, start a church. I started to get back on the plane and fly back to South Africa. (laughs) Now, seriously, she said, the Lord told her, there's a lot of hurting people in this area, and I want you to love them for me. And so that's why the church was planted. The Lord gave me a scripture shortly after that in Psalm 16, verse 6. The latter part of that verse says, I have a godly heritage. I have a godly heritage. Jesus said in the 11th chapter of Mark, have faith in God. uh, The Apostle Paul tells us in Romans chapter 12 that God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. That's our heritage, a heritage of faith. That's the reason we named the church Heritage of Faith. And then the Lord said, your commission is make winners in life. That's what our assignment is, to make winners in life, praise God. How many of you are becoming a winner in life? Amen. Well, that brings great joy to my heart because the vision is being fulfilled. And I can't think of anybody better to lead you guys than Justin and Annette. I'm so thrilled and blessed to have them on this team. And uh, 
What a what an honor it is. I met Justin a number of years ago, way up in Maryland. Twenty years ago. Little did we know <laughs> that he'd become the pastor of Heritage of Faith. But I think we got the finest pastor in the city. Praise God. Amen. And uh, Justin, I'm so proud of you. Thank you, sir. And thank you, sir, for not having me be concerned about the church when I'm traveling all over the world. In fact, I very seldom even uh, have a uh, a need for prayer for things not going right because I know they're going right. <laughs> praise God. And I do keep you in my prayers. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. So good morning, everybody. Welcome. And let's celebrate 19 years of faithful service. And we trust that you will be extremely blessed today. Now, Carolyn, stand up. She don't want to come up, but stand up. And she's the reason for all of this. And uh, I thank God that she hears the voice of God. And I believe she did hear the voice of God. Amen. Amen. So good morning and happy anniversary. Uh, thank you, Dr. Savell. Thank you. Here you go. <laughs> oh, man. If you, if you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 16. And I'm just going to talk out of my heart. I have notes, but I probably if I've used the notes, then they're going to blow everywhere. So we'll just, I'll just talk out of my heart. Before I get into the word, you know, yesterday uh, we came up here and we had a we had a cleaning. We, we did a, like a, a, a fall cleaning day, and and I was coming up here and, and it was so just great. I was just thinking about everything that we were involved as a church yesterday, and it was so awesome. And and the thing is, we had uh, Rick and Cassie and his team. They were doing a, a a basketball camp at our local high school. So Rick and Cassie and your team, anyone of your team, you can have have you all stand up. Doing a basketball camp, you know, uh, ministering the gospel, and and you know we had we had three salvations. Was it three salvations? Eight salvations yesterday in in a local high school. Amen, amen. Uh, for, uh, Thursday night, ministering to the North Crowley football team, we had seventeen salvations ministering to the North Crowley football team. But also yesterday we had we had a group of people uh, involved in going into the prisons at a thing that actually an event that's next week in, in Cairo. So if you're involved in Cairo, stand up. There's only about three or four of you, a small amount. But you know, and I know some of them are different places. But but and we and then then we had the cleaning day yesterday. So if you came up and you helped clean yesterday, you stand up. Amen. We had a total about, and I know some other people were serving in different places. But you think about 30 or 40 people were up here cleaning. So I was thinking about all the different things that we were involved with as a church yesterday. And I was thinking, Lord, I said, the best is yet to come. God is going to do amazing things through this church body and through this church family. You know, we are a heritage of faith. Say, I am a heritage of faith. I was asked a question um, about legacy and and I was with uh, Pastor John Dixon, and we were talking about your legacy because I'm not here to fulfill the call of God on I'm not here to fulfill what Justin wants to fulfill because I know what 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 I'm called to fulfill the Lord said would be fulfilled through this ministry 
You know, I'm not out to start Justin Bridges ministry one day or, or one day in the future I'm going to go down and plant another church. That's, I'm, here, I'm here to hold up their hands. We're, we're here to be the Aaron and her to hold up the Savelle's hands because a mandate on their life. And, and, and that word, heritage, and, and we were talking about legacy. And, and, I, and he asked me a question, what is legacy? And, and how can you define legacy? Or how do you carry on legacy? And, and just out of my heart, just praying about it, I said, it comes down to, it comes down to this. The mission and the message. Legacy is about carrying on the mission and it's about carrying on the message. And also, the other thing was motivation. The why. You know, the Savelles never, never started ministry because one day they, 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 they hope to be a, a worldwide name in ministry. They didn't start, they didn't go to ministry because they thought they'd have offices on, on every continent of the world one day. They, they, and having churches all over in Australia, England, Singapore, Tanzania, South Africa, uh, Kenya, Canada, you know, ministering all over the world and, and ministering to thousands and thousands. That's not why they went into ministry. Their motivation was this word changed their lives. Jesus intersected with their lives and they wanted someone to get a hold of that message that changed their lives. So the motivation is the fact that that God intersected with their lives and they want God to intersect with someone else's life. The, the, The message, the message is a message of faith. The motivation is everyone must hear. Everyone must hear. The mission, everyone must hear. I'm, I'm so glad that this message has changed my life. I, I'm, I'm, I'm so different than I was 26 years ago when my life intersected in my sister's living room and was healed of a, of a respiratory disease. This is more than just a religion. This is more than, than what people might call in the world call a crutch. It's more than just a, something I ascribe to. It's something more than a label I wear. It is something that has totally changed me from the inside out. So the message we carry here on the South on South Fort Worth is not a message of religion, but it's a re, it's a it's a revelation of having an encounter with God. It's about having a revelation and being equipped with the Word. It's about taking that change that's that's happening in, in our hearts and then release that into someone else's life. I, I don't I don't preach a message that that I, I just want someone to be entertained by. I preach a message that I want you to encounter my God. I want you to encounter him because, because I went through seasons of my life where, where I tried to do things in my own ability. I tried to do things in my own strength. I tried to find happiness in all sorts of places, partying, drugs, alcohol, relationships, and all these things. But deep down, there was this void that was never filled. And it wasn't until my life intersected with Jesus, and it totally changed my life. So this message of faith, heritage of faith. There's, there's four points I want to, I want to deposit in your heart today. One is about a heritage of faith. It's a house of faith. It's a house of prayer. It's a place of glory and it's a people of influence. I want you to say that with me. Heritage of faith is a house of faith. It's a house of prayer. It's a place of glory. And it's a people of influence. In Acts chapter 16, Acts chapter 16, can you hear me okay with the wind? Man, you all look good out there. I mean, if you see, you look all the people here, there's no way that we can fit in that room all in one place. 
So that's why we have to do two services, right? Amen. And eventually three, maybe four. And then we build a new building. Amen. Or we build a new building before that. Amen. New buildings come quickly. Hallelujah. Acts chapter 16, for the sake of time, I want to read this verse to you in verse 5. It says, so the churches were strengthened and made firm in the faith, and they increased in number day after day. So the churches were strengthened. It didn't necessarily say the people, although the people were, are, are the churches. So the churches were strengthened and made firm in the faith, and they increased in number day after day. The churches were strengthened and made firm in faith, and they increased in number day after day. So there's, there's a connection between them increasing and being infirm in faith and the church increasing day after day. You see, faith is not a denomination I ascribe to. It's not like, well, what kind of faith are you, brother? It's not, am I Baptist, am I Presbyterian, am I Catholic? No, no faith here is so much more. It's a revelation, not of a denomination, but it's a revelation of a person. They were firm in faith and they were strengthened and made firm. This faith is what established them. This faith is what caused them to be immovable. This faith is something that, that kept them from being immovable. So as we are a heritage of faith, it's about a message that will cause you to be immovable in the storms of life. Immovable when attacks come. Being a person of faith doesn't mean you'll never have attacks. It just means that you are founded when attacks come, you become immovable to the enemy. That no matter what comes my way or what, what, what things may attack my life, I will be immovable because God's purpose will be fulfilled in me and it will be fulfilled through me. So I am a house of faith. Paul talked about this throughout the epistles, whether it's Ephesians 1.15. He talked about 1.5. He goes, he goes, I heard of your faith and the love that you have for all the saints. Colossians 1.4, he says, I heard of your faith and the love that you have for all the saints. In Thessalonians, to the church of Thessalonica, he said, I hear that your faith is growing exceedingly and your love for all the saints. And he goes on, and I see of your faith as you have endured much hardships. You know, this faith, he heard of their faith. He was preaching and ministering to the churches. He was saying, I heard of your faith, Ephesus. I heard of your faith, Colossae. I heard of your faith, Thessalonica. You know, I, I love the epistles, and I, I know they're, writ they're written to where we can take them as individuals, but, but we first have to establish they were written to churches. So he could just as much have said, I hear of your faith, heritage in Crowley. I hear of your faith. I hear that you're established strong in faith. And I hear that your numbers are growing day after day. I hear of your, I heard of your faith and the love that is abounding. Man, I want that to be said of this place, that our love is abounding. Our love is abounding. Amen. Love is abounding in this place. If faith is truly 
growing, then that means love also has to grow because faith works by love. Love is abounding. There's no racism here. There's no division here. Love grows. We are a house of faith. And thinking about this faith, what does is, what is a house of faith look like? And there's a lot of things I could talk, uh, talk about concerning this. This is probably an actually four messages in one this morning, but, but uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll just, just follow in the Lord this morning. This house of faith, as we go into this next season as a church, what does a house of faith look like? I, I think of Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, it talks about two men. Two men, they, 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 they had really, if you think about it, they really had the same education. If you think about it, they had the same storm. But Jesus was saying this, he goes, he goes there was this one man and, and he said he heard the word and he did the word. And he said, I liken to this man, a man that built his house upon a rock. And when the storms of life came, it, it said it didn't fall because of what it was founded upon. It was a founded upon a rock. And then it said there was another man. He heard the word, but he didn't do the word. And it said this, this man. So they heard the same thing. So they mean, that means that they both were educated by the same thing. They both knew about the same thing. But there was a difference. One heard the word and one did the word. But this one that just heard the word, Jesus says, I liken to him a man that built his house upon the sand. So when the storms of life come, it said great was the fall of it because of what it was founded upon. You know, in 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 the world today, there's great storms. There's great adversity. There's great contention. There's great fightings even within our own community. There's great division within our community. There's great storms that the world is facing and will face. But what kind of house are you? In what kind of house will we be? A house of faith is a house that's built upon a rock. We just don't preach the word. But we have to be doers of the word. As a church, we have to be doers of the word. And this is a church that needs to be founded upon a rock because within this community, we need to be a place that people can say, hey, go over there because that's where you'll get to know God. Go there because that's where your life will change. Go there because that's where you'll be restored. Go there because that's where you'll get healed in your soul. Go there because that's where the word is preached and that's where you'll be challenged to change. Founded upon a rock. We're a house of faith. Say a house of faith. faith. Now, the second one, a house of prayer. If you're going to be a house of faith, then that means you also will be a house of prayer. A house of prayer. You know, Jesus talks in in several places in in, uh, Matthew 21, I believe, in Mark chapter 11, in John chapter 2, he talks about it. And in Luke chapter 18, I believe, he talks about how he went in and he cleansed the temple. He went in and, and he saw they were, they, they had tables, they were selling things and they were doing different things. And Jesus went in and he kicked the tables over and he chased the money changers out. And he, and he said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. And, 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 and what does he mean by that? He was saying, and he said, you have made it a den of robbers. He, he was saying, you, you have tried to make natural things your source. You have tried to make natural things your strength. 
You try to make natural things the thing that's going to bring change to your life. But, but really, you were always supposed to be a house of prayer. You tried to find your strength in your own ability by doing something with your own hands. But Jesus had to chase them out because the house of prayer was supposed to be a house where you would find your strength in someone greater than yourself. And a house of faith will be a house of prayer. In Isaiah chapter 56, if you have your Bibles, turn there. Isaiah 56. Isaiah 56, verse 5. He says, To them I will give in my house and within my walls a memorial in a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will not be cut off. Also, the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord to minister to him and love the name of the Lord and to be his servants. Everyone who keeps the Sabbath so as to not profane it and who hold, hold fast my covenant by conscientious obedience. Verse 7, all these I will bring to my holy mountain. You could say to his presence and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offering and their sacrifices will be acceptable. My altar and my house will be called a house of prayer for all people. My house will be a house of prayer for all people. What is a house of prayer? Now, I could talk about prayer. We could, we could talk, do a sermon each, each week for the next 10 weeks on prayer. But when Jesus kicked those money changers over, those tables over, and he said, my house should be called a house of prayer. He was saying, you're seeking the wrong thing. You're looking to the wrong thing. So when I say prayer, a house of prayer, what am I saying? I'm saying being a house that seeks after him. Being a house that's hungry after him. I am hungrier for God than I've ever been in my life. Prayer is not a ritual do, but prayer is a position of your heart. They had, they had made, the, in Jesus' day, they had made the place about a ritual, about where you could buy things to where you could sacrifice to God. And it had lost the meaning and it lost the heart. There needs to be, this needs to be a place of hungry hearts. Prayer is not a religious duty you do. It's a position of your heart. Prayer is about prayer. When I say prayer, I'm saying it's a, it's a house of worship. When I say prayer, I'm saying it's a house of praise. When I say prayer, it's a house of gratitude and thanksgiving. When I say prayer, I'm saying it's a thank you, Father. When I say prayer, thank you, Lord. It's a place where, you know, for instance, when Jesus said this, he told the disciples, he said, they said, teach us to pray, Master. And he said, pray like this. He said, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Meaning it's a place where he is considered holy. Hallowed be thy name. He says what? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So when I say prayer, It's a place where we welcome what's in heaven to be on the earth. 
See, that's where even in the Old Testament, when when uh, when uh, I think it was uh, Jacob fell asleep on the stone and he called the place the house of God. And and he said the angels went up and down. And he said this. I call this Bethel, the house of God, meaning it's the gateway to God. See, this the house of God, the church of God, Bethel needs to be a place where where people hear what has, heaven has to say, but also experience the presence of heaven. The presence of God. Where two or three are gathered in His name, there He is in the midst of us. So this is a house of prayer for all nations, all people groups. Say this, I'm at, Heritage of Faith is a house of faith. If we're a house of faith, we're a house of prayer. Which will be a place of glory. A place of glory. A place of glory. You know, I, I, at the transition of worship, I talked about that Jericho when they prayed and they were in faith and they prayed. What happened? The presence of God showed up. You see, where a people of faith are and a people of prayer are, that will always be a place of glory. In Second Chronicles chapter 5, also in chapter 7, it, it said that they went out and it says the trumpeters were in one and they were praising God and they were of one heart and one mind and they gave praise to God and they said, for the Lord is good and the mercy of the Lord endures forever. And it said, and the presence of God showed up. So much so that the ministers couldn't even stand. See, they were in faith. But they were also in a position of prayer. And what? It became a place of glory. In Exodus chapter 29, he talks about this house of God. It said, it would be a place where my glory would dwell. And it would be a place where I, he said, it will be, I believe it's Exodus 29 verse 43. It says, it's a place where I'll meet with you. And it's a place where you'll be surrounded by my glory. Go to, go to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. Thank you, Father. Father, I thank you that this is a house of faith, a house of prayer, and a place of glory. Thank you, Father. Before we read this, that a place of glory, I think of Isaiah chapter 60. Isaiah chapter 60, it says, Arise and shine, for thy light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. And it says that gross darkness shall cover the earth. But he said, My glory will rise upon you. See, this was speaking to our day. This was speaking to you and me. Say, it was speaking to you and me. He was saying, arise and shine for thy light has come and that glory would rise upon you. And it says, darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness, the people. He said, but my glory, my light will rise upon you. And then what does it say? And says that people shall come unto you. 
It says that your son shall come from afar and your daughter shall be nursed at thy side. And it says, then the wealth of the Dead Sea would yield up its fruit to you. What, 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 is, what does the Dead Sea mean? You know, when the, if you look at the sea in the Old Testament, it represents the wealth of the Dead Sea. What does that represent? It represents people. God's wealth isn't counted by gold and silver. God's wealth is counted by souls. It's counted by people. A place of glory. In Ephesians chapter 3, are you with me this morning? Ephesians chapter 3, for the sake of time, let's... Paul's praying to the church, praying about the church of Ephesus. In verse 16, he says that he would grant unto you according the riches of his glory, the riches of his glory, the grant unto you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, may to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, and the depths in the heights of it, and to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God, so that you would know this love. This is what he's saying, that you would know this love in, in such a way, that you would be acquainted with him in such a way, that you would be filled with all the fullness of God. Hear me this morning. He wants you to be so acquainted with how much he loves you that it would change you from the inside out. That you might be filled with all the fullness of God. That's not one day in the sweet by and by. That's not one day in heaven. That, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. See, he wants this house, just as he was wanting the house of Ephesus... To be know the fullness of God, He wants this house to be filled with His fullness. Amen. Say, I desire that. I'm hungry for that. Filled with all His fullness, that you might be, that you might be filled. Verse twenty. Now unto Him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us. Unto Him be glory in the church. Unto Him be glory in the church. Thank you, Father. That's His desire. Unto Him be glory in the church. He desires His glory to be on His church. In First Peter, in, uh, maybe Second Peter chapter 4, he talks about how when you're going through trials and he goes through different things, he says, but when you're going through those things, he said, he goes, I declare that the Spirit of glory and the Spirit of God would rest upon you. See, this lets me know that it's not one day in the future. But Paul declared it, Peter declared it, that this glory would rest upon you. This glory would rest in you, that it would be upon you. And it's his desire for that to rest upon this house. A house of faith, a house of prayer, and a place of glory. Now unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages world without end, forever and ever. Amen. 
you keep reading and you go to the next chapter, it says that he might present to himself a glorious church. What's that? Full of glory. What is glory? And y'all should know that if you've been coming here for at least more than a year, you, you should know what glory is. It's, it's his power. It's his presence. It's his goodness. what he wants in his church. This is not a place where we just come and we talk about God. But we experience God. And we see God. Paul talked to the church of Corinth and he told them, he said, he said that the, that Jesus might manifest himself in your body. place of glory so for a house of faith and a house of prayer will be a place of glory which means we will be a people of influence say I am a people of influence so let me close with this go to Matthew chapter 5 Thank you, Father. There's something that happens on the inside of you when you experience, when you truly experience Him in your life. I think of the Apostle Paul, and he was a religious person. He had a form of God, but he denied the power thereof. He had a form of God. He wore the label of God, but yet he didn't truly know God. And I, I, meaning he was kind of like what you would call a counterfeit. And I think that's why he, he wrote to the church of Romans and he, he told them, he said, let your, let your love be sincere, a real thing. <laughs> I mean, don't be a hip, don't be a hypocrite. Don't just wear the label of Christian, but make sure it, it changes you. Make sure, because when he experienced God, when he experienced the, the power of God, when he experienced the glory of God on the road to Damascus that day, when he experienced God, he got up and he said, he goes, Lord, what do you want me to do? Meaning, when you truly encounter him, you'll never be satisfied just going through the motions in life anymore. And that's my heart for each one of you, that you experience him to such a way that you're like, God, I, I want someone to know this. I want someone to know you like I know you. I don't want to just go through the motions. I don't just want to have an idea about you, but I want someone to know you like I know you. And what happened? He, it said he immediately went out and he preached Christ. Wow. 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 All because of him experiencing God. We're a house of faith, a house of prayer, a place of glory, and a people of influence. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, it says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is henceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden underfoot. Then verse 14 says, You are... The light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. I mean, if you, you think about this, Jesus isn't talking to leaders and rulers of governments. He's not talking to 
to um, people that had necessarily people that had the ability to change anything. He was talking to women. He was talking to young people. He was talking to farmers. He was talking to fishermen. He was talking to just everyday people. Say, say he was talking to me. And yet Jesus had the audacity to look at these ordinary commoners, these common people, and look at them and say, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. He, you know, he uses, he uses this matter of factness here. You are this and you are that. He didn't say, you will become. He said, you are, you are. You are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world. Meaning there's something on the inside of you that has the ability to change your environment. I want you to realize if you are part of heritage, there's something on the inside of you. I want you to see if you are part of the kingdom of God, if you are a believer and you made Jesus the Lord of your life, there's something on the inside of you that has the ability to change something around you. You are the salt of the earth. Look to your neighbor in one side and say, you are the salt of the earth. Look to your other and say, you are the light of the world. In verse 14, he goes, he goes, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. You see, if you were to go to, to Galilee and you're standing there where Jesus was ministering the Sermon on the Mount, he's standing here on the top of this hill, and up behind him there's another, there's another hill. And there was a town there called S-U-C-C-O-T-H, Socket, I think. Sounds something like that. Socket, something like that. And it was one of the ten surrounding cities. And, and what he was saying, he was pointing up to them and he was saying, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. And he's pointing to them and saying, a city that's set on a hill cannot be hid. Why? They looked up, meaning, meaning every night they see that. Every night they see the candles burning. Every night they, they can't see that. See, if, if your city, if your, if your candle, if your light is set up on a hill, it can't, it can't be hidden, meaning you can't escape notice. Meaning if light has invaded your life, then you know what? You can't escape notice. Someone's going to notice you. And I'm telling you, we're stepping into a day at Heritage of Faith, this church and this body, and I believe churches all in our community, that you will not be able to escape notice. Not because of how good you are or how good looking you might be or how charismatic you might be, but it's what's, what's on the inside of you. What's on the inside of you cannot escape notice. And put your hand in your heart and say, what's in me cannot escape notice. A city set on a hill cannot be hid. Then it says, neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel. Meaning natural man, just ordinary men, everyday people... They're not, you, you don't light a candle and then cover it up. You lit the candle for a reason. And, and I want you to know that, that when I got born again, January 23rd of 1999, I was lit for a reason. And I'm not talking about high lit or drunk lit. I, I'm talking about lit by God. I'm talking about I was lit for a reason. I was lit for a reason. 
Meaning I was lit for a purpose. Meaning, meaning you don't light something, then, then cover it up. Meaning God invaded your life, not just so you could just cover it up and stay hidden, but he, he set you on fire. He invaded your life for a purpose. And it wasn't, man's not going to light a candle, then put it up. Why? Because if you put it, if you cover it up enough, what happened? It loses its flame. And if you lose the flame, then the candle all of a sudden has lost its purpose. And I believe there's too many people in churches today. Whether you're coming to church and, and, and you've lost your fire. You lost your fire. And if the fire has gone out in you, then that means you've lost your purpose. We are the salt of the earth and we are the light of the world. You know, salt and light, what do they do? They, in, a light influences something. And years ago, the Lord gave me a definition about influence. And, and there's so many definitions of influence, but this is what the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And he said, Justin, do you know what influence is? I said, tell me. He goes, influence is the power and the authority to affect, alter, or change something. If you have influence in someone's life, then they gave you the power to affect, alter, or change something. Jesus was telling them, you have the ability to change your environment. Herod your faith is a house of faith, a house of prayer, a place of glory, and a people that are called to change our environment. You're called to change your family. You're called to change your school. You're called to change your workplace. Hallelujah. Verse 16, he says, let your light so shine. Meaning, let your light radiate. Let your light get brighter and bright. Let it so shine. Meaning, let it, let it shine in such a way. Let it shine in such a way before men. He didn't say let it shine before me. Jesus doesn't need your light. He is light. Let it so shine before, before Christians. Well, that's probably a good thing, but your light wasn't for them. They already have light in them. Let your light so shine before men that they do what? That they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. See, what is Jesus saying here? Let your light shine in such a way that what people see in you will cause them to look up. As Herod's your faith, as we step in this next year, we're going to shine in such a way. Shine in such a way. That people is going to cause people to glorify God. I don't want people to glorify me. I don't want people to glorify this church. How many people are in this church? You know, you hear me often say by 2023 will be 2,000 people. And that's what the Lord spoke to my heart. But you know what? I'm not pursuing 2,000 people. I'm pursuing Him. I'm not pursuing 2,000 people. I'm pursuing there's hurting people outside these walls. Love them for me. Let our light so shine before men that they may see our good works and what? Glorify Him. I want this community not glorify this church, but glorify Him. 
Glorify Him. Glorify Him. Father, we thank You for Your goodness. We thank You for Your faithfulness. Thank You that this is a house of faith. A house of prayer. A place of glory. And a people of influence. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. As I said, this church isn't about Annette and I. It's not about Dr. Savell and Miss Carolyn. It's about fulfilling an assignment fulfilling an assignment the assignment was there's hurting people outside these walls love them for me if you're a part of this that church this church that's your assignment if you're in leadership here that's your assignment and before i go further i i really want you know just as a statement of faith if you can say pastor justin pastor justin i i, I want to not just walk with you in this vision, but I want I want to I want I want to run with you and Pastor Annette in this vision. And Pastor Annette, come up. Thank you, Father. If you if you say. Dr. Savell, Miss Carolyn, Pastor Justin, Pastor Annette. I hear your heart today. And as part of this church family, or maybe you've just been coming for a couple weeks. Maybe this is your first time even here. But you, you, something's happening down on the inside of your heart. The Spirit of God is ministering to you. And you say... To the Svels, you say to us, and you say, we want to run with you. We want this 20th year to be our best year. Maybe some of you, you've been coming to this church for since, since it, 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 it began. But yet maybe you've heard something in your, your heart today that all of a sudden something was lit set on fire on the inside of your heart today and you're you're like wow I, I I see it and a fire was stirred on the inside of your heart today if you say Pastor Justin Savels I, I I make a commitment and I, I want to be a part of this next season. I, I want to be a part of where this church is going and the and the place that this church has with in the place that God's placed us in this community. Like I said it's not just coming to church it's assignment. I wish I could say it's just coming to four walls in a building to hear a good message week after week. And yes, and the great messages are going to come forward. God's going to show up. But I'm telling you, it's just as so much about that as it is, it is about changing this community. It's about assignment. We have an assignment before us. And it's not just to have church. It's about changing this community. What is a church called to do? I believe if a church, ta- a church takes its place in the community, I believe it means it's a church that changes the culture of the community. That's right. Amen. 
When the church was established in Jerusalem, it wasn't just something that was under wraps. It wasn't just something that was in the back, the backside of anywhere. But everything became around the church. And it totally changed. The, the word ecclesia, the word in the ecclesia wasn't just church. But really the church in the day, you know, we have this, this statement called the separation of church and state. But the, but the phrase ecclesia, when it was originally announced, when it was the church day, it was the place of government. And that's where the church was always called to be. The church was always called to be in a place of decision-making ability within the community. That's why today we have people, uh, the Ezra team, that goes to our city council meetings. Even this week, we're, we're a voice in what happens, even the things that happen in our community with the shooting this week. We have someone in, in this church, a, a group in this church that goes down and sits on the, with the chief of police, that sits in with the mayor and sits in. Why? Because we want to have a voice, not just a voice to be like everyone else's voice, but we want to have a voice of God. Not a voice of division, but a voice of God in this community. See, a church doesn't need to just get in and rally around voices of the community as a whole, but we must be a voice of solution. And he is the only solution. So this morning you say, Pastor Justin, I want to make a commitment to be a part of a house of faith, a house of prayer, a place of glory, and a people of influence. If you want to make that commitment, stand to your feet today. It's okay if you don't make that commitment. I understand this isn't anyone looking at you. But it's a declaration of your heart. It's a declaration of faith. Thank you, Father. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Father. didn't hear the word but he did the word meaning he was relying upon what you had to say we take on that word that Isaiah wrote that we'd be a house of prayer for all nations all people groups every tribe every tongue every race every age Father, that we would not be just about this this kind of church or that kind of church, but we'd be a church of Jesus Christ. unified in purpose and number one a pursuit after you 
the pursuit after your word. But unity with one another. And about going into our world, our sphere of influence, and administering that life to someone else. Repeat this after me. Father God, we as a church make this commitment that we are a house of faith, a house of prayer, a place of glory, and a people of influence. In Jesus' name. If you believe that, give me a shout of praise. Did you have something you'd like to share, Dr. Savella? When sure you had your Bible in your hands. shout of praise today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. You can be seated just for a moment. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Before we transition, tithes and offerings, I'm going to, if, 
if you are getting if you are getting baptized, I want to release you now so you can go ahead and change. Everyone else, stay stay seated. We're going to do tithes and offerings. We have a couple more things that we're going to do. But as we step into this next season, there's also some other things. You time you you know talks about new wine skins. There's or new wine. There's also new wine skins. And uh, over a number of months and a number of times, there was a things the Lord's been ministering to us, Rick and Cassie, about some changes that we felt like in our heart that we knew that God was directing us to make. And and uh, I just want to just do something real quick, just to make give clarity to everyone. And so with that, we know where God's taking us. We needed a bigger net. <laughs> you know, a net is what you catch fish with, right? Not not this net, but net like you catch fish with. Not a net, but a net. Yeah. I caught the best fish, so it's all good. So that's the net. So, <laughs> but, but, um. But I want you to see something, and some of our leaders have, are aware of this, but I want you to see this because, because we know that where God's taken us, we couldn't do it with a structure where what we had before. Not that things were wrong or things were bad or anyone was failing in any, any capacity. We just knew that we needed, we needed a, a greater strength of leadership, greater things as we go forward. Right. And God sent us, you know, the Bible says he sets gifts in the body. And I believe the Savelles or the apostles of this house were pastors, but it says he set gifts in the body. So I believe there's more than just us, the Savelles, and Annette and I as gifts in this body. And so the Lord put, put people in our heart over a number of months on, on what we need to do in this next season. And so, so I'm going to ask uh, uh, several people to come up right now. If I could have uh, uh, Eric and Nikki Deaton, if you could come up and get on the stage. Philip and Diane Thurman, if you could come on the stage. Joseph LeMay, if you can come on the stage. Rick. Cassie's already on the stage. Thank you, Father. And as we go forward, some things are a little placed on our heart and because we're we're going we're God's doing amazing things. And we're excited about this next season. And with Eric and Nikki, we're put placing them over Connect, which will be first-time visitors, Ministry of Helps, our pipeline or Connect class, ongoing training, and so forth. So if you're in any one of those things, part of first-time visitors, you're a part of Ministry of Helps in any capacity, um, stand to your feet. You're part of, I know we have more than ministry of helps in this. As ushers, as greeters, hospitality, they're all serving over there. <laughs> greeters and so forth. And so, and so we knew that to go to this next level, we need to, we needed to strengthen our leadership and strengthen our net. And we're excited about this next season and bringing, uh, bringing, making it solid, strengthening it, ongoing training, ongoing relationships, ongoing discipleship. So we're excited about this. Pastor Phil and Diane, they've been in leadership for, pastoring for 41 years and just praying about, well, why did you send them here? And the Lord said, because they, they, they are, they are pastors. You can go ahead and be seated if you're in one of the, one of the ministry of helps. 
And, and so with that, you know, it's hard for Annette and I to truly pastor people, you know, uh, one-on-one as we grow. You know, Brian Houston says, you know, I can, I can only pastor 200 people effectively, but I can lead thousands. And so we needed some help in loving on people and pastoring people and creating, establishing that department. The more and more as God, as God sends people. So they're going to be over pastoral care. And, and so that will be, be, um, you know, hospital visitations, funerals, marriage counseling, uh, funerals, weddings, helping hands, thrive groups, uh, eventually men's and women's ministry. So if you're a part of any of those things, stand to your feet. Amen. You can go ahead and be seated. Joseph. Charlene, you can stand up here. Joseph is, is uh, Charlene is Joseph's husband. Wife, wife. wife. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> and Joseph is over uh, evangelism, and actually uh, Eric is also going to be in that same box with him with missions because Eric is works along with JSMI over world missions in our different outreaches. And, and so he'll be wor- working with Joseph. Joseph mainly focusing on local evangelism, prison outreaches, uh, food ministry, every uh, one-on-one evangelism, the food bank, all the different things that we do for that. So if you're a part of any and have been a part of any of those outreaches, stand to your feet. Amen. So technically, uh, Eric and Joseph are in the same box, but but also husband and wives will also be doing work together in some things. And with Cassie, she's over experience. Experience is worship, broadcast, media, um, uh, website, photography, um, uh, camera work, sound, all those different things. Cassie, Cassie uh, will be over that. So if you're involved in, in any of those departments that I just named, just stand to your feet. Worship team. Amen. And so maybe you're visiting today and you're like, well, I'd like to be a part of those, uh, those, those events. Well, hey, just, man, just stay around and we'll, we'll get you plugged in. Amen. And then Rick and we'll also Rick and Cassie together because as a husband and wife, they'll be working together a lot. Rick is over what we call next generations. And that is over zero all the way up to young adults. And so that's, you know, uh, just working and fine-tuning, developing leaders, training leaders for the next generation. And so Rick and Cassidy will be overseeing that. And so if you're part of zero all the way up to young adults ministry, stand to your feet. And so as we go forward, you'll continue to see changes. But these are the main changes that we wanted you to see. So if you see different ones or we mention, you know, different ones, you understand what their role is and, and what they're called to do and what their role he- is here in this house to help us be that house of faith, that house of prayer, that place of glory, and that people of influence. Amen. You receive that today? Amen. Hallelujah, Rick. Hallelujah.